This episode is supported by Jace Medical. You may or may not know that in December, drug shortages across the U.S. hit a record high. This is causing severe disruptions in medical treatments, resulting in delays, treatment cancellations, and the unfortunate rationing of vital medications. I know that I have heard in the last few months from multiple mom friends of mine, instances where they have not been able to get medications for themselves or for their children in critical crisis moments. This is so, so scary. I know I've had friends with their kids having seasonal flu cold symptoms, struggling to breathe, and they're at urgent care and unable to get the antibiotics that they need because of these shortages. This is scary stuff. Most notably, one of the short supply antibiotics is amoxicillin, which is commonly used for so many of our children's illnesses. So here's where Jace Medical comes in. They have the Jace case, which is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that are used for the most common and deadly bacterial infections. And you can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your or your children's family's unique needs, like an EpiPen, for example, something that you would never want to be without, would never want to have to run from pharmacy to pharmacy in pursuit of. So if you want to go get these medications and have your antibiotics on supply so that you always have them when you need them in case of an emergency, in case of a disaster, in case of being a, you know, a victim of this drug shortage, Jace Medical will have you covered. All you need to do is go to jacemedical.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code SHAMELESS at jacemedical, J-A-S-E medical.com, jacemedical.com, code SHAMELESS. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 182 with Whitney Nicely. Show notes for this episode can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 182. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean, and I'm here to give you and other passionate, dedicated moms the tools you need to bridge the gap between motherhood and living the life of your dreams. I'm also here to help you be a little more shameless every day, because if you aren't building a life you're extraordinarily proud of, what kind of legacy are you building? So let's dive in. Whitney Nicely went from no investments or strategies to 19 houses, 19 apartment units, and seven chunks of land in less than three years, all bringing monthly money to her bank account on autopilot. She's traveled the United States, speaking on stages, teaching her simple strategies, and meeting with other successful real estate investors, and still buying houses the way she teaches others. Whitney is a dog mom to Abby the Labby, 130 pounds of loving fur, wife to Jason, an apartment investor, and step mom to Gavin and Harrison ages 12 and 10. Since 2016, Whitney has led and trained thousands of future real estate rock stars to grow their own portfolios, collect checks, and achieve financial freedom. Hundreds of real estate newbies are now securing leads, signing deals, and scaling their dream incomes through her first deal done fast program. This is a fun episode. Whitney's super high energy, fast paced, I know I love a fast talker and she has some really great and interesting tips about how and why women should be more involved in real estate, the power behind it, the benefits of being involved in real estate, the truth about what goes on behind the scenes because it's not all like HGTV, but some of it can be not always as pretty, but just as magical in terms of really amazing, profitable outcomes if you're smart about it. So listening to hear Whitney share how you can get involved in real estate in low risk ways that still reap financial benefits, why it's important for women to have a real estate portfolio, the truth about flipping houses on HGTV, different ways you can get into the real estate market. I know some of these are going to be interesting and very new to you. They were new to me. How to circumvent risk when starting out in real estate and how to get into real estate without investing your own money and still make money every month. This was a really interesting conversation. I'm kind of fascinated with real estate and I think it's like it's something I want to learn more about, especially living in Seattle where the market is so hot. It's a very interesting concept to me. There's a lot of people making money in real estate and they're doing it in ways that are low risk and they're doing it by buying like little properties and just making little bits of profit here and there that over time really grows. And I see this happening a lot around me. So I want you to tune in if you've ever considered anything like this or you're like, I have no idea what this is even about. You might learn something today. You'll for sure learn something. So let's go ahead and dive in with Whitney Nicely. Whitney Nicely, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thanks for having me, Sarah. This is going to be fun. Yes, it's going to be great. I already love your energy, so I'm like <laughs> ready to dive in. 
All right. I want you to tell us a little bit about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio before I dive too deep and tell us what you're most excited about right now. Well, I have to admit that I am a stepmom. I'm not a real mom. I'm a dog mom. So I have a unique perspective on the whole mom situation yeah. because I'm a 50-50 mom. But a lot of women find themselves as a stepmom. So I think yeah. we can roll with that. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. We'll have to talk a little bit about that. How old are your stepkids or stepchild? No, there's two boys. And right now they're 12 and 10. They're about okay. to have birthdays. So okay. I have to do some calculations. <laughs> So like those are not super easy ages. I mean, no ages are easy, but like you're approaching the thick of teenagehood. Yeah, but you know, they're really nice kids and they're way more interested in baseball and football and basketball and they don't really like to be in trouble. So, you know, they just want to play ball. That's nice. all they care about. That's yeah, and- awesome. So it's good so far on that front. We have one in middle school. He's in the seventh grade and he doesn't care about going to the dances. He just wants to go to baseball practice. So, so far we're laying pretty low on this whole teenage situation, but who knows? (laughs) I know. I know my son's, he's five, but he's super into Legos. And I'm like, please just, let's just do Legos for the rest of your life. Like, yeah. How yeah, long can we ride years this out? Legos. Right, yes. right. Yes. I love it. So great. So is there anything in business that you're most excited about right now that's lighting you up? Well, what's really cool is I teach people how to buy houses without money or credit. And most of my people have jobs that they love, but their retirement isn't where they want it to be or their income isn't exactly as high on the six-figure ladder as they'd like. So they just want to buy houses kind of as a side fun exercise and it's family oriented. So I do workshops and I've done two workshops in Rome, Georgia, which is where the boys live. And my youngest stepson got to come to one of the events and it was the first time he really understood what Whitney does, you know? And since then he is like an empty house magnet. And so I think my favorite part about business right now is really seeing him light up about it. And then I get to go and tell my students about my experience and my family and they agree. And they say, you know, yeah, I took my son to look at vacant houses or I took my daughter to do this and that. And so it really comes all the way around to be a family activity that everybody is doing. It's not that, you know, mom or dad's going out and buying houses and missing games and this and that. And the other is that we're all going and looking for sale by owner signs, empty houses, and we're all here to make these deals happen. That is so cool. And I love the idea, and this is so the opposite of how I was raised. I love the idea of giving kids a little taste of entrepreneurship at a young age. And like I was raised very much like you go to this school and then you go to this school and then you go to college and then you get a job for 42 years. And so I love the idea of giving kids a little bit of a picture of like, oh, here's something that maybe you could do on the side when you get older, or maybe this would be your full-time career. Just giving them this exposure to entrepreneurhood, I think, and ways of making money out of thin air almost, I think is so cool and so powerful. Well, I'm the fourth generation entrepreneur. And like, grandfather was an entrepreneur before we were called entrepreneurs. He was just a small business owner, you know, and 1939, he started a truck company and then my grandfather went to work for him and then my mom went to work for him and then I went to work for him. So I always knew that monthly checks were going to come in the mailbox. Like I didn't realize bills came in the mailbox until I was in my 20s. Like, and I always knew even my dad, you know, at Christmas for Christmas presents, my dad in like October, November would go buy some beat up car. He'd bring it home, tinker on it, and then he'd sell it. And I don't know the exact numbers, but he'd make, you know, $1,000, $2,000, whatever he could make. And then we'd get presents at Christmas, but not because he picked up an extra shift because he flipped a car. Yeah. Oh, and so this entrepreneur thing is like so deep in my blood that I can't help but to teach the kids (laughs) to not go get a job, do whatever you can figure out to do. But my husband was raised like you. He's very by the books and he loves that I'm giving them a different perspective than just go to college, get a job, get married, retire, die. Yeah. Well, and I think (laughs) entrepreneurship is an interesting thing because it's definitely not super exciting for everyone. And my husband recently, he had his own business for 17 years and recently went back to work for someone else. And he is like, 
loving it. Whereas <laughs> I would just die. If I'd... And so like, I really embrace entrepreneurship. I love it. He loved what he was doing with his business, but he wasn't into like building a business. He was just into being a really great graphic designer. Yeah. So he's really happy going and doing that for someone else who wants to pay for insurance and like yeah. really steady paychecks and things like that. So I'm like, cool. Like it totally works to have one of us doing each thing. And that's been a really good mix for us. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I think you have to find what works for you. <laughs> exactly. You have to find what works for you and make sure that everybody's happy as we go along. Totally. So tell us, how did you get into real estate and why do you think this is my like what I'm so excited to talk about? Why do you think all women should be involved in real estate? So my mom was a very strong figure in my life. Everybody, you know, has their mom and she was up on this pedestal, right? Or as far as I know, yeah, my yeah. mom is like my best friend and she's actually my competitor now, but you know, <laughs> it's amazing. cool. And I always knew that she was going to get money in the mailbox every single month. And I seriously thought that's just how life happened. And when I was in my 20s, I was talking to her one day and she was making the deposit for all the rent checks. And I was like, why don't I get any money every month? And I laugh because my mom is very much self-taught. Mm -hmm. She didn't go to real estate school. She doesn't have, she didn't even go to college. Like she just went to work and just kind of figured it out. And she's kind of an old slow investor where she saves up a big pot of money and then she buys whatever she can get. And then eventually it'll pay her back. Like, no formulas, no strategies, no plans. She's just throwing spaghetti against the wall. And so this would have been like, when I asked, why don't I have any monthly money? This would have been a great time for her to talk about, you know, Robert Kiyosaki or the cash flow quadrant or, you know, talking about how you, you know, buy assets and then like, but no, all she said to me was, you have to buy something. <laughs> Like, go figure it out. A and little bit of a like, missed opportunity there on her part. Well, she wasn't trained like that. Yeah, like, yeah. All she knew to tell me was, go figure it out. You'll figure it out. You're yeah. smart. Go figure it out. Yeah. And that's how she always was. Like, anytime I wanted anything, if I wanted to sell coupon books or Girl Scout cookies, she'd be like, well, go sell them. <laughs> you know, she'd drive me around to some, you know, neighbors and some friends and some families and stuff. But she definitely didn't take a list to the office and get everybody to sign up for my Girl yeah. Scout cookies. Like she's definitely a figure it out kind of mom. And I really appreciate that. Well, that's super interesting. And there's some value to having to just figure it out. Did you like going like selling the cookies and doing those things? Yeah, oh, you did. If I wanted to get to the prize or the party or whatever it is they were offering, if you sold so many, like yeah, you were mom said I had to go figure it out. Just nice. like if I wanted to get straight A's, I had to do the yeah. work. I never realized I could, you know, kind of buck the system and say, no, you need to help me and blah, 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 yeah. blah. Like I didn't know that was an option. She didn't make it an option. And so that I think is what really got me started in investing. It was my mom saying, go figure it out. You can figure yeah. it out. And so- I took some money and bought a piece of land and ended up making a really good investment. So then I went and bought as much land as I could find. And then I thought, well, I could buy houses too. And so I had a bunch of land. I had two houses. I bought one house actually, and I ran out of money. But I thought, wait a second, my brother's got some money. So I basically told him that he was going to hand over his life savings and we were going to go into partnership together and start buying houses and rent them out. <laughs> so he was into that? He was on board? Yeah, he was like, you know, all right, whatever. Oh my <laughs> He'd been listening to me for, you know, 23, 24 years doing what I told him to do. So it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't that big of a deal. Well, and he'd been raised in an entrepreneurial yeah. family. So for him, he probably didn't see it as the same risk as maybe other people would. It wasn't that weird. And he went with it. So nice. we bought houses and then we were both out of money, like eating breakfast, lunch and dinner at mom's house because she would still feed us. And we were both working at the trucking company. And I had four jobs at the trucking company. I was flipping furniture on the side. I was flipping dump trucks on the side. And then I decided I was going to get into real estate too. So when people were like, oh, I don't have the time. I have a job. And I'm like, I had four jobs, two side hustles, a boyfriend in Atlanta with two kids and travel ball. Oh my god! Like, gosh. don't tell me you were too busy. Right, right. <laughs> so, so I just got into it and bought more and more. And that's when I really decided I had to figure out how to buy houses without money because I was out of money. Yeah. So and I was going to say, yeah, because when you said you ran out of money, but then you bought more houses. So how did you get from this running out of money place to 
buying the house's place. <laughs> it's so funny because I literally went broke trying to get rich in real estate, doing it the old, slow, boring way that my mom okay. had semi sort of showed me worked and it didn't work for me. Okay. I needed a plan. I needed a strategy. I needed formulas. I needed comps. I needed all sorts of things. And she didn't have that because that's just not how she did things. So I went to the real estate investors meeting in Knoxville and they were having this special presentation, but it was $75 to go. And I remember telling the president, I was like, I don't have $75 and I know everything I need to know about real estate. I've got a license. And he was like, no wit. <laughs> like when I think back on it, I'm sure he wanted to pet my head. Like you poor little thing. You have no idea what you, <laughs> you know, yeah. but he was like, if you will come to this, and if you don't learn anything, I will give you your $75 back. And I was like, because I was 27 or 28, I don't remember. But I was like, all right, old man. <laughs> That's easy. I'll be there. And I went. And within 15 or 20 minutes, the man that was presenting lease options to this small group of less than 10 people in a little conference room, he mentioned Ron Legrand. And that's who he learned to do lease options and owner financing through. So 15 minutes into this presentation that I didn't have $75 to really attend, I was on the internet trying to find Ron Legrand and I put $3,000 on my credit card with no idea how I was going to pay it off that night and booked myself a trip to Jacksonville, Florida and pretty much started there, started wow. in the hole and hired a mentor. I got my first deal under contract in February. When I cashed it out, I made $15,000. So I had all of my investment back. I'd made some money. I had a mentor paid for six months and I ended up doing 14 deals in nine months. By the time that lease option training came back around, I had made over like $135,000 from what I learned that night that I didn't have $75 to afford. <laughs> That's amazing. And I love, there's a few things that I want to like dissect a little bit because there's some things in here that are really powerful that I think people need to see that you went into something with an open mind and ready to like figure out like, how will I make this information valuable to me? And then you immediately were like, how am I going to go apply this information? And you hired a mentor so that person can further teach you how to apply the information and how to make money on the new information. And then you hustled your buns off. And like, I'm not a huge fan of like a constant hustle, but there's some times where you're like, you know, you got to get this thing off the ground right? for the next few months or whatever the timeline might be where you're like, I'm it's like, you know, nose to the grindstone. I'm going to get this done. So I love that you did all those things. And that's something that I have done myself in terms of finding a mentor and investing in mentorship. Like when you put money on a credit card that you don't have, that's <laughs> super scary. Like there's nothing more motivating than that. And I've done that before. And it's like every morning I wake up with a pit in my stomach thinking like, okay, how am I going to start like making this money back and make this work? And like nothing has made me make more money than investing in those ways because it makes me so conscientious of like not wasting a minute and not wasting any opportunities within that mentorship. So I think that that's super valuable. I completely agree. And since I hired that first mentor and I went to that first boot camp, I have probably spent 135,000 on mentors and courses and this and that. And I can, very easily trace back, okay, I got this nugget from this. I went to apartment school over a weekend. And by the end of the next week, by the time we got to the next weekend, I had two complexes under contract. Wow. And then I hired an apartment mentor to make sure that I was doing everything I needed to. Like I can pinpoint every mentor I had and the investment I put in and it definitely 10 X in the next 12 months. Yeah. Yeah. Every it single time makes such a big difference, such a big it's difference. Huge. And it keeps you super motivated because, and I actually now, like I will not go without a business coach because especially when life is crazy and chaotic in motherhood and having my hands in a lot of different things. I need someone to know what I'm doing so that I will be accountable because otherwise I'll just say, Oh, I'm going to do that next week. Like I'm going to take that next scary step next week. And with a coach, they're like, what are you doing? When are you doing it? Like by what date? I need you to shoot me a text when you're done doing that scary thing. So Absolutely. I feel like it's like for people who are listening, who are feeling scared to take next steps or feeling intimidated by something, hire someone who will make you go do the things that are scary. Like there's nothing more valuable than that. 
This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. And really not somebody that's just going to be nice to you and pet you on the head, but actually call you out when you're being a wuss. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. And I do that. And, you know, sometimes it really charges up my students and sometimes they flake away. But if you're not doing what I tell you to do, <laughs> we're not going to get the goal that you told me you wanted. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I totally get that. So tell us, what is a real estate portfolio and why does everyone need one? Or maybe we already maybe everyone has one by default because everyone has a living situation. Well, no, explain I don't think that. So. Okay, but go ahead and explain then. The house you live in is a liability because you're the okay. only one on the hook to make that payment. It's okay. not an asset until okay. it's creating cash flow. Okay. A portfolio is land, houses, apartments, hotels, strip centers, storage units, something that other people pay you the privilege of using every okay. single month. Okay. And women need that more than men. I believe that wholeheartedly because two different reasons. Statistically, women are going to outlive their spouses. We're going to live longer than our men. My grandmother outlived my grandfather by six years. And in those six years, she had expenses. She had nursing home bills of like, you know, six to six thousand to eight thousand to sometimes ten thousand, depending on how sick she was every single month. But luckily, my grandfather had been a real estate investor and she still got money every month when she wasn't able to work. So, so important. that's the first reason. We're going to live longer, so we're going to be spending money longer, and it's only going to get more expensive to get old, y'all. Right. Yeah. Slightly terrifying. The first time I ever met with a financial planner, he told me that I needed one to two million dollars to retire. And I thought, like, there's absolutely no way. I, like, that was so mind-boggling to me. And now, now that I'm 42, I'm like... I'm pretty sure a million dollars is like not going to be enough because yeah, I, could be, exactly. I could live in retirement for like 30 years. So. The other thing that you could do though, and don't let me forget to make my second point, but the other thing you could do is instead of having money in the bank, because when you draw 10 or 15,000 out every month, you're pulling water out of the pond. Right, right. So what I help people do is create 10 or 15 or $20,000 that comes in every month. If yes. You back in. And that way you don't have to save up this huge nest egg or this big 401k or, you know, whatever. You just need to create streams of income. You need tenants that are going to pay you. And that's what you need. You need a river, not a pond. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. I want you to tell us more about that. I have follow-up questions, but go ahead and tell us your second point before we go back. (laughs) The second reason is not just about getting old, but, and this is a personal test that I've done and it, it seems to work in other families too. But women spend more money mm-hmm. on the greater scheme of things. Like if I send my husband to the grocery store to get milk <laughs> and bread, he comes back out with milk and bread. <laughs> 
if I go to the grocery store to get milk and bread, I get bananas and strawberries and I get milk and I get chocolate milk and I get cereal and I get cinnamon rolls and I get turkey and I get, you know, extra pickles and I get some mascara and some plastic baggies and I get breakfast bread. I get Hawaiian rolls. I get, you know, I mean, it's a hundred bucks. Yeah. <laughs> every single time. You know what I mean? Like, yes. that's just how I go to the store. Right. Right. Totally. And we just spend more money. Women just spend more money. We're the ones responsible for, you know, getting the mother-in-law a Christmas present and making sure that we have birthday cards for the kids. And we just spend more money. Yeah. And if we're going to spend more, we need more coming in. But we already have 18 unpaid jobs. So we need money coming in that we don't have to work for. Or we work once for it and set it up. Right. Forever and ever. Amen. Right. Okay, so we need a real estate portfolio because then our real estate is paying us every month. Yes. And like, well, I guess let's start with what do we need to get involved in real estate? Like, do we need credentials? Do we need a chunk of money? Do we need a certain education? Tell us about that. No, piece. my most successful students are not licensed. My agent students, and I'm a broker. I understand the struggle that real estate agents are having to try to get off that you know, hamster wheel of chasing a clear to close. Mm -hmm. I got off of it, thank goodness. But now I help other agents get off that hamster wheel. My most successful students don't have a license though because they don't have to do a lot of the disclosures and disclaimers and warning, warning, I have a license. So they can get in and be a little bit more limber in the deals that they make because they don't have to have eight other pages signed that everybody knows they're licensed. Okay. So I would encourage you, if you have a license, fine, cool, keep it, do whatever you want to with it. But if you have a license, the only way to really get rich in real estate is to own the properties, not list it and represent buyers. Mm, Okay. One of my students started with me like six weeks ago and she'd never done a deal. She bought her own house with her husband and got a mortgage and did everything very regular. Mm -hmm. And within seven weeks, she'd closed two deals and made $12,000, $6,000. And she had no experience before she started with me. And she was awesome, too, because she didn't have any bad habits. She didn't have any weird fears. She would just take the advice I gave her and run with it. So backtrack. So she bought real estate that she's now leasing or renting to someone or she explained what? She ended up getting a really good deal on a property. Okay. Two properties. It was two duplexes. Okay. Outside of Nashville, like way out in the suburbs of Nashville. And she found somebody that was interested in just cashing out the deal and not doing the lease option on it. So she ended up just being able to get an assignment fee and assign her rights to her contract with the seller over to a buyer. And he paid 6,000 more per property than she was willing to pay. Are those going to be rental properties for her? No, she's out of the deal now. Oh, she just made 6,000 per property. Okay. So she was not using them as Okay. I was thinking she was buying that was the goal. She was trying to, but she found somebody that would give her 6,000 more than what she was buying it for and not keep up with it. Okay. Okay. So she sold them. Okay. So when I think of like real estate portfolio and because we have a rental house, so that's what I always think of right away is like having a rental house. Like you said, it pays you every month and there's cash flow and those kinds of things. But there's also the flipping of real estate, which which is a different component So talk a little bit about each of those concepts. I started flipping houses in 2009 and I was flipping with my mom and dad. So I definitely had my training wheels on because I was spending their money. They would go out and buy the property and I was spending their money to make it livable and then they were renting it. So I didn't really make any money, but I definitely had my training wheels on and I was learning and I was figuring out there should be a process in this. So we did five or six houses together over five years. Uh And in 2014, I got my first house under contract and put $15,000 into it and flipped it by myself. You know, I had a crew and whatever. And what would have taken six months in parent time to flip this, we did it in about six weeks. Wow. (laughs) So that was awesome. And I ended up making... 25,000. So I got my 15 back. I made 40,000, but 25,000 of it was profit. Okay. And then I flipped another one or two houses that year. But in 2015, I flipped six houses and planned my wedding all at the same time, which will drive you crazy. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I cannot even imagine. 
It was weird, too, because in 16, I tried to flip a house with my parents again. And once those training wheels come off, you can't put them back on. <laughs> yeah, no, I could totally see that. Like, you're like, I'm, I'm a big girl now. And... Yeah, no, you're not working on my timeline. Well, forget it. It's your project. I'm right. out. <laughs> right. So what do you think about HGTV makes flipping look really, really fun and easy? So, I mean, I really strongly assume it's not fun and easy. It is fun. It is not easy. Okay. It is dirty. It is rewarding. It's amazing to watch something ugly turn into something beautiful. Yeah. And then, you know, everybody in the neighborhood wants to look at it and you've got buyers and it's really fun and exciting. It is not as easy as they make it look. Right. You probably should not carry a Louis Vuitton purse into <laughs> a flip and heel Louis Vuitton. Sure. Like that's just not workwear for flipping houses. Right, right. But that's what they show us on the TV. Yeah. I also think people can watch a TV show and in 30 minutes, even though that countdown of days is there, mm -hmm. they just glaze over that, right? Yeah. And so what happens in 30 minutes on TV took three, four, five months. Yeah. And when they get into it and they realize how much money is going out every single day, every single week, and they've been in this and giving money out for three or four months, it's really hard for most people to swallow that. Yeah. I would imagine it's a roller coaster that is not for everyone because like you just said, when it's every day, I mean, I would imagine the stress, it's really intense when you're in it. The reward and the payout is great, but what you go through to get to that, that's a lot of pressure. Yes. And you don't know what the payout's going to be. <laughs> like, you don't know if the pressure's all going to be worth it. Like, if it's worth it in the end, that's one thing, but it could also get to the end and you'd be like, hmm, that actually wasn't worth it. We lost money or we only made, you know... $1,300, which doesn't really make it worth three months of our time. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that happens a lot. We didn't technically lose money, but we only made a thousand bucks after it was all done and we paid Uncle Sam. You and kidding you me? lost all that time. And people, like, you have to be really conscientious of what your time is worth. Because if you're saying yes to something that makes you a thousand dollars over three months, you've said no to a whole bunch of other things, including like sacrifices on your family time and your relationships and all those kinds of things that makes it like that's not worth a thousand dollars to most people. So Exactly. And that's why most people stay out of flipping. But right. I like to encourage my students to do a lipstick on a pig flip. Okay. Every house that's, you know, kinda dingy and, you know, maybe you and I wouldn't want to live in it, that doesn't mean that it needs to be gutted yeah. and have granite countertops put in and brand right. new state-of-the-art LED bulbs and this and that and the other. It may only need the floor redone in the kitchen. It yeah. may only need the front steps replaced. It may need the gutters pressure washed instead of replaced. And a lot of newbies also struggle with wanting it to be perfect for them to move in. They forget that this is an investment. This is not their primary house. Mm, yeah. And so they yeah. over flip it. So right. I encourage my students to do a lipstick on a pig, maybe a thousand dollar job. And if you do 10, $1,000 jobs on 10 different houses throughout the year, you're probably going to do one little bathroom, one little kitchen, one little lighting update, one little plumbing issue. And so at the end of the year, you might be more prepared and you'll have a better team right. to help you go into a 10 or 20 or $50,000 project, but not on your first lump. Right. Grow into that. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And I, I think for most people, that probably feels a little like kind of baby stepping. It feels a little yeah. better. So let's talk about getting started and what kind of money is required. Because most, I mean, like, I think people are probably sitting here thinking like, I don't have the money to do it, put a down payment into even getting started. So what kind of money do you need? Or what are the tricks of the trade to even get started, whether it's a flip or investing in a rental? So what I do now is I do lease options, which very simply is a rental agreement with the opportunity to buy the house at a certain time in the future. Okay. Okay. And I explain it to people like this, Sarah, you know, somebody that has a mortgage on their house, right? Yes. If the person you're thinking of that has a mortgage on their house, if they decided they wanted to rent that house, nobody would really think that was weird, would they? No. And if this person decided that they wanted to sell their house, even though there's a mortgage on it, nobody would think that that was weird. No. Right? So with a lease option, I'm taking both of those situations and putting it into one piece of paper so that I can control this property. The mortgage stays in their name, but I'm in charge of all the maintenance and the repairs and this and that and the other. And most of the time I do this by taking over people's payments. Mm. And I have three months 
before I make the first payment. And I talk to a lot of people that have, and this may shock you, it shocked me in the beginning, but there's people out there that have houses and what they do, a lot of people will buy a two bedroom, one bath because that's all they have to put down and get a bank loan and all that. And then they, you know, get a girlfriend or get a husband, they get a kid and a couple extra dogs and now they need a three bedroom, two bath. Right. And instead of selling that first house, they just rent it because they know somebody else who can't qualify or they got family right. or, you know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, this is my current situation. So this is okay. very interesting to me because <laughs> we have a rental house that we have been renting for eight years, nine years. Did you start out? That was your like first home? It was my husband's. Yeah. Okay. So then you're in like this in-between house and then something happens. Maybe a parent moves in or maybe a kid comes home for college or whatever. But this three bedroom, two bath isn't big enough anymore. Now we need a four bedroom, three bath and the main family moves on and they have two rental houses. And I call these people bridge people because Mm -hmm. they've got these bridges of houses in their past. Yeah. Okay. So, and everybody knows somebody like that. Everybody knows somebody like that. So I find these people. And I let them know, you know, maybe when your tenant moves out, call me and I'll see if I can buy it. And when I say that to people, they whisper back to me. They're like, actually, we don't have a tenant. We've just been making the payments on it for six months and I don't even want to deal with it. Oh, my gosh. I'm not kidding. People sit on empty houses. They sit on empty houses. People will skip their vacations because they've been making payments on an empty house for a year and they don't even know if it's in bad shape or not. Maybe they live across the country from the house and it's not mm-hmm. convenient to go back to it. And yeah. they just make payments on an empty house because they don't know what else to do. And ignoring it is easier than confronting, hey, I've got a problem. Right. So I find these people and I say, it's cool. I help lots of people do this and I can buy this house. I can buy that house. I'll take over the payments. All you have to do is make three more payments. And that's the light at the end of the tunnel. And people are ecstatic. So they make three more payments and then you become the owner. I get the lease option on it. So I have a rental agreement to be able to buy the house. And I usually take five or 10 years. I buy it for whatever they owe on it because these people aren't in it to make money. Okay. They're just in it to get the hole in their boat plugged. They're okay. losing money every single month by okay. making these payments. Okay. They have to work a double shift to make the payment on an empty house just because they don't want to front whatever might be wrong with it. Okay. So you're paying their mortgage payment and yep. then at the end you own the house and whatever equity has accrued in that amount of yep. time that you've been making the payments. Yep. Or, you know, if it's five years and they've got 20 years left on their loan, then I'm going to have a balloon payment in five years. So I'm going to have a big bulk. Mm -hmm. But I turn around and because I don't have any money invested in this except my time and conversations. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, some hunting to find these people. I have no real money in it, though. Right. I didn't go to the bank. I didn't offer to give them $10,000 or 10% of the property or nothing like that because that wasn't their problem. Their problem was the monthly payment. And I took that from them. I solved their problem. So I turn around and I find a tenant buyer, somebody who is tired of renting or they're self-employed because a lot of self-employed people can't just go to the bank and get a loan. Mm -hmm. It's risky to have your own company, but if you have a job with somebody that's safer, according to the banks, which makes no sense to me, but whatever. (laughs) So I find tenant buyers, maybe they got bad credit, maybe they got a bad divorce, you know, whatever's wrong with them, but they have money. There's Mm -hmm. people out there with boatloads of money and they want the dream of home ownership. Mm-hmm. So I work with them to improve their credit or wait out, you know, their W2s for the year because they just started their company and it's not old enough to qualify for a loan or, you know, whatever's wrong with them. They make me monthly payments to start with though. They pay me to move into the house, sometimes 10, 15. I've had people give me $40,000 to move into a $100,000 house. Whoa. She had crappy credit, so she couldn't just go to the bank. Okay. She paid me six months in advance. And in the seventh month, she sent me a text and said, hey, my sister bought a house in South Carolina. I'm going to go move in with her. (gasps) And left. Oh, my gosh. Gave me $40,000. Six months later, just left. And in the eighth month, I got somebody to give me $10,000 and they moved in. So I made, in less than a year, I made $50,000 on a $100,000 house that Mm. I have for 10 years that I'm just making payments on. Okay. So this happens all 
the time. Out of 57 deals that I've done, I've only had one tenant buyer get a mortgage. Interesting. Most of the time they leave, somebody else with 10 or 15,000 comes along in the next month or two, plops it down, stays for 9, 10, 12 months. Sometimes I've had some tenant buyers going on like 18 months now. Okay. And they pay me to stay in the house and to keep their option available. Okay. And there's lots of people out there that have money. They get insurance settlements. They get divorce settlements. They get workers' comp settlements. Mm. They get 401ks. There's lots of people that their parents or grandparents were really good entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. And they snort or smoke their inheritance. And they can get a draw on their trust fund. And they will move into these houses. Wow. (laughs) It's it's crazy. So interesting. So many people, I talked to one of my students today and he got a house under contract and he was so excited. He put it out on the market and I told him, I was like, be ready because the phone's going to ring as soon as you put that thing out there on Craigslist, which is free. Yeah. I mean, everything that I teach is really like low cost or free. Yeah. Yeah. And so he put it out there. He had 15 calls in 24 hours. Holy cow. Ready. He said, you know, on the second day he had it out there, somebody offered him $12,000 on a $75,000 house. As a non-refundable option fee. Okay. So he listed the house to sell, not to rent. Okay. Okay. Rent to own. So I'm in Seattle where real estate is like crazy expensive. So when we're looking at investment properties or you're looking at these kinds of situations, I mean, like if I wanted to like buy a rental property here in Seattle, I'm looking at like, you know, I need to have like 500,000 or I would be looking at like a $500,000 starter home, which for most people, like that's not a reasonable starting point. So... I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and, more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests, too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. I had a conversation with, and we did another conversation about real estate in an earlier episode of the Shameless Mom Academy. And the person that we talked to talked about like that you don't need to look in the middle of a metropolitan city if that's not. Absolutely. And if that's where you live, like it's okay to look other places and places where you don't live. So can you talk about that a little bit? Because I think that a lot of times the opportunities are going to be, if you live in a metropolitan city, I'm assuming some of the opportunities are on the outside of the metropolitan city, or maybe not even in the state that you live in. For sure. And I'll tell you, I'm in Knoxville and even little dinky Knoxville has hot areas, right? There's Mm -hmm. West Knoxville is where all the money is. It's where all the flippers are. It's where there's a lot of activity going on. But I live in East Knoxville. And so it was easy for me to get started because or easier for me to get started because I didn't have as much competition. Everybody was going to West Knoxville every Mm -hmm. single day to try to get deals. And I didn't go down there and fight with them. I stayed where I was. In fact, I was self-conscious when I started, believe that or not, and I went 30 minutes into the next county to the next semi-big city and started there. So, And then I did 12 deals out there. I ended up doing two deals back in Knoxville, but I wanted to come back to home base 
with experience, with confidence, with a couple bumps and bruises, and be ready to make good, strong offers with this list of references behind me. So I went clear out to the country and started out there and then came back in to the metropolitan. (laughs) Okay. Okay. And what would be a first step for someone if someone's interested in being getting more involved in real estate is their first step? Like what is the lowest risk first step that you can take? Do you like start looking at how do we or I'll let you just answer before I start giving options? (laughs) Because you already know the options. So I call that my honey hole. All right. Where I started investing was my honey hole. And a honey hole is where you can get in and the barrier to entry is lower than maybe what's really popular or hot in your area. And you can get in and you can get some deals done and you can become a big fish in a small pond in a very short amount of time. Like that's one of the first things that I teach people how to do is to find their honey hole. And it might be where you live. It might be 30 minutes away. It might be three hours away. But it's going to be somewhere where you can get in, get some deals done, speak the language, be a local or regular, even if you're nowhere near. Because I have students in California and they invest in Ohio and Mississippi and Florida and Colorado. They don't have to invest in California. Right. And that's what you need. The first step is to find a hunting hole. Okay. And are you also looking at like saving up a little bit for a down payment on something? Is that an appropriate first step? Or are there money free ways to get started? Yeah, the lease options. I don't put any money in it. Okay. And I have three months to find somebody that's going to pay me. And how do you go about finding the lease options? That's when you look for people who are tired of being landlords, so tired landlords. Okay. You look for people that have inherited properties and they live states away. Okay. okay. You know, the house I grew up in, if, you know, my mom and dad passed and they still live in that house, they don't. But if they did, I wouldn't want to uproot my life and go back and live in that house. And right. lots of people find themselves in that situation. You know, right. they grew up in middle of nowhere and they moved to the city and they're not going back to the country. Right. So whoever's back there in the country or close to the country can go pick up their houses. And a lot of times it's beneficial because people that have inherited properties, the properties are usually paid for, they're free and clear. Mm -hmm. And if you get an inheritance, depending on how your state's set up, depending on how your tax structure is set up, when you get a big lump of money, you're gonna pay a lot of money on it. But if you can set it up in owner financing, you will pay over time instead of right up front. And that's also a great way to set up some residual income for you. Too. Right, right. Now, some people have eight siblings and you just need the cash because everybody needs their 5000 and then we don't have to talk again. I get it. Right, right, <laughs> but, right. You know, other times people have one or two siblings and they can split a $1,000 payment every month. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. So interesting. So you've talked about running out of money before. What are some of the risks or some of the losses that you see that are common and how can people circumvent those risks and losses? I'm a trial and error learner. And that's how I really started. I told you I bought land and then I started houses, then apartments and so on. And so that's what I would encourage people to do is buy some land, do some small transaction because the process is going to be the same. And the first piece of land I bought was 1200 bucks and it was kind of a buy it and forget it kind of deal. I just wanted to go through the process of buying something. But the second piece of land I bought, I paid $1,500 for. So we're still not talking about a whole lot of money, mm-hmm. right? 1500 bucks and cash and carry. That's my land. And that piece of land, I ended up renting six months after I bought it for $250 a month. Plus, I got back rent for all the time that they'd been using it since I bought it. They pay my taxes every year, which is just like $100. And they're in charge of the maintenance. What it is, is I have a driveway and they rent the driveway to be able to access the back of their property. Mm. And they pay me $250 a month. So I had my $1,500 back in HIP National Bank, you know, before I could turn around twice. Wow. And when people get a taste, a small taste of, okay, yes, I can do this. Yes, this isn't that big of a deal. Then you start adding zeros and adding comments. Yes. So that's exactly the point I was going to mention is like trial and error sounds very scary and risky to some extent, but, or definitely risky, but I appreciate what you're saying that it takes trying something to gain a little bit of confidence in it. And so it's 
not that different than like trying out a new gym or something where you're like, I'm going to go try this on, feel it out and then see if I can keep going back. And you're going to learn from the first couple of times that you do it. So I think that it's a matter of like finding a way or you know finding a way that you can do it on a risk level that's appropriate for you and your family. And you've given us some great ideas to make it low risk so then people can get involved. Because I totally understand what you're saying that like once you've had a little taste of it, how it could become a real exciting, real fun game real fast. <laughs> I'd say this, especially to mom. So your audience is going to be perfect for this. You know, before you had your first kid, you knew what was going to happen. But until you were like in the thick of bad diapers, you didn't really realize what was going to happen. And that is a huge risk. You now have somebody's life in your hands. Like I can't think of anything riskier. Real estate is not as risky as having babies. Right, right. And once you realize that, yeah, you know, after a year or two, I could have three or four of these things running around. Mm. I'm an expert at it now. <laughs> yeah. And that's how it is with real estate. It was weird. It was hard. It was, you know, traumatizing. Not really, but, you know, with the first one and then the second, third, it gets easier and easier and easier until you have a whole baseball team. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, portfolio. so we growing up we had neighbors who had real estate they owned a few apartment buildings and I remember like they were like the only people I knew who had anything like that and I was like this is so interesting and now like they just recently sold one it's a property they've been sitting on for I mean for as long as I can remember so they've been sitting on that property for well over 30 years they've sold it in the heart of a thriving metropolis uh, metropolitan area so I think that watching people do that, you're like, oh, like I could do this too. So I would encourage people also who are like thinking about getting involved to like kind of start keeping an eye out on what other people do with real estate, because then you start to see that there's probably more people doing things with real estate than you know. And there's more people whose brains you could pick on the topic. But also I think that Whitney, you're a fantastic resource. So go ahead and tell us where we can find you. If people want to connect with you or learn more about how they might be able to get support from you and pick your brain a bit. Okay, absolutely. My website is WhitneyNicely.com. Whitney like Houston and nicely like nicely done. Awesome. And I'll link up in the show notes for sure. And then I also want to touch on some of the things that we've kind of, it's come up a little bit indirectly, but I want to talk a little bit about the power of something like this for a woman and for a mom who this could be like a part-time gig kind of a thing where like you're staying home with the kids but especially if you're doing it in your own city where you could be working these kinds of deals on your own schedule, finding properties, finding ways to have either, you know, renters or do the tenant leases and all the different lingo that I don't have under my belt yet that you've explained, but doing these different deals. And this is like the perfect flexible part-time job for a mom who wants to be at home with her kids, but also wants to have her hands in something where you're like building a business and feeling powerful and really taking some ownership in something, which I love that idea. And a lot of times people get intimidated by real estate just because the numbers are so big. And there's a lot of paperwork. (laughs) Well, there's that, but I've got it down to just four contracts that you need. And I clearly explain when you use each contract. So the paperwork isn't that big of a deal anymore. But when we talk about, you know, normally you need $100,000 or $50,000 or $500,000 to even get started. That's not true. It's not true at all. What my goal is for all of my students is to get $300 a month spread between what your payment is to the seller and what you can collect and rent from the tenant buyer. When you get those $10,000, $15,000 option fees, congratulations, honey, you deserve it. But what I really want is $300 a month per house. And if you buy one house, if you do one little deal every single month and add $300 income to your bottom line every month after two years, that's 24 months, 24 houses, that's like $7,200 coming in Mm -hmm. after two years. And most of us have jobs or opportunities or side hustles or something that we've worked for two or 10 or 22 years, and we still don't have $7,200 coming in free and clear. And if you do it for three years, you'll knock over $10,000 a month. You'll be in the six-figure club by just doing one deal a month and not trying to, you know, overwhelm yourself, not trying to get burnt out, not trying to run around town like a chicken with your head cut off, just slow and steady one deal a month after three years at 300 a month, you should be clearing 10 grand. And those first house, the houses that you got in that first year, you were collecting $300 a month 
that's over the course of time going to go up. Like yes. our rental house, we increase the rent every year. So as well, a $300 profit in year one, in year two is hopefully going to be like 400 by year three is going to be 500. So that's growing as well. So it's not going to be like a stagnant amount that just stays the same. But you know, once you have 10,000 coming in, now you're set. Now you can retire if you want to, you can leave that whatever you got going on. You could put more time into real estate so it doesn't take three years. Maybe you can double to 20 in a year and a half or, you know, you just keep going with it. If you just do one deal a month, which is not too much. I love it. You can get there. I love it. This has been so interesting and so helpful. I really appreciate it. Before I let you go, I do need you to let us know in what ways are you a shameless stepmom? A shameless stepmom? Yes. I guess because I don't care to show up and be in the bleachers talking about a real estate deal, talking to a seller, talking to a buyer, definitely working my magic right there at the ball field. (laughs) Or, you know, I've got a course going on. Or I mean, I've done videos, training videos, because the idea popped in my head and I've been standing out in left field with my phone and just doing a training video or talking to one of my students or, you know, whatever. I don't care. There's no shame in my game. Whatever needs to be done at that time is going to get done. Nice. And I would add to that that you're getting the kids involved as they're interested. And I think that's totally shameless, too, where you're like, here, this is like giving them a glimpse of what you do, how powerful it can be and how they could be involved in building something of their own one day as well. Absolutely. Their their mom has a very steady eddy like hospital job and she's not a doctor or nurse or anything, but she has to clock in and they know they communicate with us how annoying it is that she misses this and that and the other because she's got to go to work. Yeah. Yeah. And they see me, you know, just sitting around the house all the time. Like, what do you do? But then, you know, (laughs) they hear me on the phone and they know that I'm working, but they can see that I don't have to go somewhere and serve time. Right. Right. And they like that and getting that glimpse, maybe it's not, you know, affecting them so much right now. But I think in 10 or 15 years, they're going to, Hey, Whitney, what was it that you really did? Hey, Whitney, and that's when it's going to click back. Right. Totally. Totally. Thank you so much for sharing all this with us. Thank you for helping us understand how we can be a little more shameless in real estate. I love this idea of building a real estate portfolio. I think it's super important. I think it could be a very, very powerful work for a mom, for a woman and something to really build from that could like secure your future, which I think just think is really amazing. So I appreciate you coming on the show and sharing all that with us so that we can be a little more shameless in our retirement, if not before. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. This was fun, Sarah. Thank you, Whitney. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Before we wrap up today's episode, I do want to remind you something from Monday's episode. So Monday's episode, 15 Ways to Be a Badass Every Damn Day, got a huge response. So I'm so happy and delighted that you loved the show. Also remember that I did create a special little piece of art for everyone who tuned into that show and wanted a little visual reminder, a downloadable piece of uh, shameless mom content that you could download, print, and keep with you at all times. You can hang it on your office. You can hang it on your bathroom mirror. But if you want your own PDF, your own list of 15 ways to be a badass every damn day, shoot me an email over at info at shamelessmom.com and I will get that right out to you. I would love to give you your own little piece of shameless mom art to have with you wherever you want to post it. You can share it on social media. You can print it out and post it in your bathroom, post it at your office. You can frame it and give it as a gift to someone for Christmas, whatever you want to do with it. So again, just email me at info at shamelessmom.com and I'll go ahead and send you your beautiful list of 15 ways to be a badass every damn day. Thank you so much for spending time with Whitney and me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. Again, make sure you go over to the show notes at shamelessmom.com and click on episode 182 if you want any links mentioned in the show, if you want to connect with Whitney and learn more about her program and how she helps people and supports people. Also, please share this episode out if you think there's anyone who might be interested in getting involved in real estate, building their real estate portfolio, just knowing a little bit of like some of the opportunities out there. Share this episode by taking a screenshot, sharing it on social media, tagging me at the 
Shameless Mom Academy and then putting the link for the show in there, which the link for the show, you can just put shamelessmom.com and then tell people episode 182 and they can easily find it on the site or in iTunes, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, wherever they listen to their shows. So I appreciate you being here today. I know that you learned something new. I hope you took some notes. You might need to go back and listen more than one time to this episode because I know there were so many things that Whitney dropped in our laps where you might need to dive a little bit deeper on a second listen. So feel free to do that at your leisure. Please do come back in just a few days for another episode. If you're new to the show, we do release new episodes every Monday and Wednesday and you can subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review, that takes you into our Apple podcast portal where you can click on the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And while you're there, you can leave a review of the show. So you can choose how many stars you want to rate the show as five stars, right? Always five stars. And then you can leave a couple sentence review, which means the world to me. And it also helps other people understand what they're going to get when they listen to the Shameless Mom Academy. So leaving that quick little review lets other mamas know how they'll benefit from the show and what they can expect from the show. So it's really, really powerful when you leave that little review. It also is very helpful to me to know what you're loving about the show. So I really do appreciate anyone who takes a minute to leave that review over at shamelessmom.com forward slash review. All right. I want you to go out. I want you to attack this day. And no matter what you do, I want you to do it shamelessly. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact impended. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talk to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it.